Chris and Chris Talk Movies. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. Trying a little new audio setup here. Hopefully, I sound a little better today. Um, I actually won't know until I listen to it. Um, I am Chris Ferry, and as always, my intrepid co-host. I am Chris Huddleston. Today, we are going to be talking about the Cronenberg movie, Videodrome. Why would anybody watch a scum show like Videodrome? Why did you watch it, Max? Business reasons. Sure. What about the other reasons? Max Wren is a victim. I woke up with a headache. He has been exposed to Videodrome. I've been hallucinating for a while, ever since... What? Since I first saw Videodrome. His brain is already receiving video images. I think that massive doses of Videodrome signal will ultimately produce and control hallucination to the point that it will change human reality. Soon, his visions will coalesce and become uncontrollable flesh. Videodrome is seducing Max Wren. Please, come to me now. Come to Nikki. And Max Wren can do nothing to stop it. What makes you think I need help? None of our test subjects has returned to normality. Television can change your mind. Videodrome will change your body. Long live the new flesh. It will shatter your reality. Videodrome. Videodrome. Starring Deborah Harry and James Woods. A shocking new vision from the creator of Scanners. Coming soon to a theater near you from Universal Pictures. Okay, I thought that was a straightforward trailer, kind of gives you a sense of the tone and what's going on in there. Do you have a synopsis for us, Mr. Huddleston? I do. I've got a short, another short but sweet one from IMDb. When he acquires a different kind of show for his station, a sleazy cable TV programmer begins to see his life and the future of media spin out of control in a terrifying new reality. Hmm. Yeah, I think that pretty much it puts his finger on it. Yeah, it's this is a we'll get into it, but this is a complicated movie. So it's it, synopsis is a little bit difficult. So I've seen this many times, um, but you uh, were I don't know if you'd seen this before, but I if you had it, I believe it had been a while. So so what did you no, think I, about? I had, I had never seen it before. Oh, okay, this is my okay. first viewing of it. So I, I do um, have a question. So one is what did you think of it? But also last week you had said you were unsure if you would like this or not. And I, I suspect maybe this movie was different than what you were expecting. The movie was different than what I was expect expecting. Um, I did not care for it. Mm. Uh, there, you know, okay. I'm eager to talk about it with sure, you. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I'm not, um, there's a couple of factors that kind of go into it, but ultimately, I mean, I watched the presidential quote unquote debate <laughs> You know, that was right what before was great. watching this movie last night. Oh, so I watched uh, this during the debate. So I oh, was really? able to 
Blitz you know, screen. circumvent the debate, not watch it. So I was very uh, happy. So I, I went into it in um, a somewhat sour mood. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, I think I can separate that. Um, so I will talk about my impressions of it. Um, and as we always say that we're going to have to spoil this. Of course. Know? Yeah, of course. I think um, there were some... I guess I'll just come at it as a first time viewer of something that I didn't, I wasn't particularly interested. And I don't know why per se, I was not, um, you know, I was a little wary of watching this movie because I hadn't seen it before. Excuse me. Um, I think that um, it is a complicated film. It's not clear whether you're supposed to. So the James Woods character is clearly the protagonist of the film. He's the leading man. But it's it's not clear if you are supposed to be rooting for him. Like he's it, it from me as the viewer, he was a pretty unlikable character. Um, he was um, in a very eighties way. He was all about the bottom line. There was a sort of a one hundred percent baked in cynicism of every man for himself, and I'm going to get on top and and my unique skills. And he was. You know, watching it after me too. He's got his hands on the yeah. intern, and he's yeah, yeah. he's just really coming on strong to women and the attitude of women as sex objects. It was all, it was very '80s, and I think in the movie it's supposed to play as, you know, he drives fast and he you know he's a makes big deals and he doesn't waste any time. Like you're supposed to kind of admire this type of masculinity, which I don't. I found disgusting um mm -hmm. and i'm also biased because i i don't like james woods i don't mm -hmm. like his ideas i don't like his attitudes i don't like his stupid face uh <laughs> not, i'm being a little glib I mean, he's done some performances that i thought were were really great um but certainly now with all of his twitters and his provocation for the far right you know i just i'm like shut up man i just you know i, I don't he's um at his best on screen when he's playing something a little against type. And I think this is very much on type for me and James Woods. Like when I imagine the kind of role James Woods would do in his sleep, it's this kind of role where he's being a schmuck. Um, mm -hmm. I thought Deborah Harry was electric, like not the greatest actress, but just perfect in this role of a searingly hot yeah, she's gorgeous. Kemp's sexuality. Yeah. You know? Um, and and uh, interestingly, you know, is into this sort of... Um, so this is another element of it. I, you know, there's this sort of uh, sadomasochistic bent that, you know, he's kind of into, which isn't a surprise, but she's into, which is sort of a surprise at first, but then doesn't surprise you for the character. But I find it repulsive um, and everybody's free to do their thing. But watching it on screen, I felt like I was supposed to be getting aroused by it. And it was just, you know, the video drum thing they watch is basically torture and murder. Mm -hmm. And it's just, you know, and they don't show that per se, but you hear people screaming in the background and they're all watching it like they're just watching the daily news and. I don't know. I just, it was a turn. It was turn off after turn off for me. 
And I know I've been talking a long time, but then I, so then when, when the okay, plot really ahead, cracks open and things get weird and you start to be able to lose weight. So what's hallucination and what's real. Um, and the plot kind of flops around like a fish you pulled out of the water and left on the dock. Um, I didn't have anything to care about to keep me centered in it. Like I didn't care whether James Woods turned into a TV or if he, you know, <laughs> like it didn't, I, I didn't, I wasn't pulling for James Woods. Mm -hmm. So here comes the big spoiler at the end. He blows himself away. Um, and I could care. I'm like, great. That's the end. It's over. You know, so I, I guess in talking about it, it's coming out a little harsh. I didn't, you know, I wasn't writhing. I didn't have to force myself to finish the movie, but I didn't particularly enjoy it. I did think some of the practical effects that I think of when I think of Cronenberg movies were really interesting. Um, they didn't all make sense. Like one guy sort of, he shoots a guy and then the guy sort of explodes or his brain <laughs> push it's it's a very crazy cronenbergy special effect mm -hmm. um and, and i'm like I, I mean is he hallucinating that i guess i don't you know what wh why is that happening um you know and so the and, you know and i liked the debbie harry um performance although we didn't like hear her, her music in the film which was interesting to me you get deborah harry you think you'd get so let me interrupt you for just one second to, to a, a point on that. So I, <clears throat> I've seen this a bunch of times. I have the uh, Criterion put out a uh, a Blu-ray of this maybe eight or ten years ago, and I have that. And um, I had never. There are two commentaries on this. There's one with Cronenberg uh, uh, and somebody else. I don't know if it's the cinematographer or someone, but uh, but there's another commentary with James Woods and Debbie Harry. And I had never watched it with the commentary before. So that's what I did last night. I watched the James Woods and Debbie Harry uh, commentary. Now they recorded separately. So it's kind of like him talking for a while and her talking for a while. But he said um, when this, when they were working on the movie, Call Me by Blondie had just come out. So, you know, this was, I mean, Blondie was pretty big, I would say at the time, but but call me was, you know, maybe one of their well, it was definitely one of their biggest hit songs. It's the first so, one I remember. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and he talked about, uh, in the commentary, he talked about what a nice person she was. And he, he said that, you know, her being a rock star, he thought she would be really wild. And he said, she was not, she was very, you know, humble and just like a very nice person. But, uh, but yeah, so this was kind of, you know, I think she was, while they were working on this, it was she. It was at the time that she was becoming like a megastar, basically. Yeah. In music, interesting. You know? That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so I guess that that ended up feeling like an avalanche of negativity from me. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of interesting stuff going on on screen. Um, I, you know, I think as a horror movie, it, it was really colored outside the lines in terms of playing with sort of psychedelic hallucinatory, um, excuse me, a body morphia and, and the, uh, you know, theories of screen time that we now have a much more, you know, that everybody carries around a little screen in their pocket. 
that this, this was VHSs and great big giant TVs, but they were playing with some of the themes, like what is too much screen exposure or what, you know, how stimulating is it in the brain and what are the physical effects. And of course the science now shows that <laughs> screen time really does alter brain chemistry and mm-hmm. even brain uh, physical structure. Um, so I thought all of that was really fascinating and it touched on some issues like, you know, is, um, watching violent content. Does that produce violence or is that an outlet for violence? Should it be condemned? Should it be lots of things that played out in, in our actual life in the, uh, decades after this movie, not that this movie started those conversations but it was certainly touching but he kind of yeah he kind of you know in a way kind of predicted kind of the internet age before it existed you know right right and i thought that was really interesting um some of it felt like an excuse for him to just like oh what's what's a movie where i could do all kinds of weird stuff and the gun would kind of morph (laughs) with his hand and the screen would bubble out some of which i thought was really cool yeah um, and some of it was really disturbing. Like he had a VHS slot on his, um, stomach that there's no way it was accidental that it looked like a big vagina that he kept yeah. stuffing his hand into. Yeah. Um, so there were a lot of themes, uh, kind of smashing together. And I don't think any of them were really elegantly explored. I mean, I think it felt a little lazy, like, oh, we'll just put that in there and people will make of it what they will. And I thought, well, you could have, you know, <laughs> you could have unpacked that mm-hmm. more than just having that image for its own sake. But so tell me more about the things about it that uh, make it live uh, fondly in your mind. So I, I've seen this quite a few times. I I did not see this in the 80s, which I think is a good thing. I, I do not think this right, is a movie. Would have been. Movie that <laughs> how old would you have been? I would have been so. 10. So I right. think that would not have been that would have really warped me, you know, probably permanently. So yeah, this is definitely not a movie for kids to watch. Um, so I I saw this for the first time in the early 2000s, you know, like 2002, 2003 or something like that. And I really liked it. And I've I've revisited it several several times since then. Um the things about it that I so I'm like you, uh, S and M stuff does nothing for me. I mean, you know, kind of like you said to, to each their own, you know, whatever floats your boat, but I don't understand why people are attracted to that. It, it, sure. you know, it, it does nothing for me. So I, I in no way felt like that was sexy or anything in the movie. As, as you said, I, I, it was more repulsive. I don't know if you were, I don't know if the intention was for you to be turned on by it or for you to be repulsed. I don't really know. Um, but, um, so the things when I suggested that we watch this, the, I definitely thought you wouldn't be into those parts. And also, so to give a little more information about what happens in the movie. So, James Wood's character is this guy that owns he's it's in Toronto and he owns a uh, it's not like a pirate TV station, but it's a it, it would be hard for young people to relate to now. But, you know, I can remember in, you know, in our state, there were independent TV channels. Right. Um, 
And so this is basically what he has. And to get viewership, he just shows sleazy, you know, like softcore porn things and things that have violence and all this. So he has this guy, this this friend who has a big satellite dish and, um, you know, I guess I kind of take it as he's he's looking for new programming all the time for him. And he finds this, you know, what they eventually term Videodrome, which is just a it's a channel. And all it is is people chained up to a wall and there are people whipping them and beating them and things. So that's that's the the entire programming. Uh, that stuff I figured you were not going to enjoy, you know, cause the conversations that we've had about the torture porn kind of stuff, which it's not super graphic, but it is realistic, um, and disturbing. I think that's something that for a 40 year old movie, those scenes of, of torture are, they're not so graphic that you, it's not like you can't stand to watch them, but they are, they look real. Um, and you don't see a lot of it. You hear a lot of it. You watch them yeah, watching it, and yeah. the, the audio sounds. It, it takes them a long time in the movie to come around to the big shocking reveal. They keep being like, well, you know, wow, these actors, it's so real. And it's, the, you know, and there's just mm-hmm. no other plot. And you're like, dude, it's real. <laughs> you know, it's like, and he says, she's like, uh, it's, his agent is this foreign accent. She's like, it's, it's real. And he's like, why? It'd be so much cheaper to have actors. And, you know, why would they do that? But the, she finally says, she's like, it's snuff TV, you know? Mm-hmm. And why that doesn't, that occurred to me immediately. It's this crazy thing. He's like unscrambling. You know, it's like if the analog in today's world was got this hacker guy working for him that's like trolling the dark net for, you know, shocking material and he finds this stuff well of course you would assume it's real you wouldn't assume it's a bunch of actors Mm -hmm. but maybe that's our maybe maybe in the 80s things were not yet so cynical that they didn't think that was going on um it's possible i don't know i i i i it the content and the concept of the content and the concept that people do that to each other and record it. And then other people go out of their way to find that and watch it and get off on it is so upsetting to me. I just, I, yeah. Ugh. So yeah, I definitely, I definitely thought, but I, but that's kind of early on. And I, I, I felt like once kind of once you got past that and it gets into the more sci-fi elements because, because I kind of feel like to me, this is more of a sci-fi movie than a horror movie. It definitely has horror elements, yeah. But so then what starts to happen is uh, James Woods character becomes kind of obsessed with this videodrome. And then he starts to uh, and we'll talk about this some um, exactly what's going on there. But he starts to hallucinate and, you know, he's starting to have trouble with what's real and what's not. Um, there's one scene where he has this woman who works in his office who is his assistant and she comes to his apartment to check on him because he's acting strangely. And he, what you see on screen is he slaps her, but then when he slaps her, he sees Debbie Harry and then he apologizes for slapping her 
And she's like, what are you talking about? You didn't slap me. And, you know, so there are kind of the rest of the movie is this thing with, as the viewer, you're you unsure. Yeah. You're unsure as to what's real as the, the character is unsure as to what's real. But I watched this. So I listened to this commentary last night and it gave me some insight that I had not had before that I had not picked up on. So, so what do you think? So in the ending, as you said, he, he's, so he eventually, he, he goes in and kills people in his office. Um, he kills the, uh, his buddy who is the person who gets the programming for him. And he kills another character as well. So he's kind of on the run and he goes to this abandoned ship, like in the shipyard. And uh, as you said, he blows his brains out. You see it on the TV screen. He blows his brains out. And then him, he has a TV in that uh, ship. Right. And, you know, he watches himself on screen, blow his brains out. And then he, he says, long live the new flesh. And then he puts the gun up to his head and what it fades to black. Right. I don't think you actually see him, him shoot himself then. Um, so what did you think all that, that all meant? Was it in his head or, or how did you take that? Well, I don't know. I mean, I do like, I do like movies. Um, and I would say that uh, Jacob's Ladder falls into that category. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was thinking of Jacob's Ladder watching. Where you're game. not sure what's real and what's not. That mm -hmm. it's you, you. They acknowledge that the it's an unreliable narrator. And so, at the end of the day, it could just be like in like in that movie, none of it happened. Like this is a guy that got shot up and they've been, he's been in sort of a twilight of consciousness and it's all really been one massive hallucination while he dies on the operating table, never having left uh, the battle zone, you know, but he imagines that he comes home and he's well and things are going crazy and they devolve. So it, it's possible that, that there is no such thing as videodrome and this is guy is just having a psychotic break. Right. And it's not sci-fi at all. It's just, a document from the inside of mental illness and deterioration. Um, it lost me though. And the video drum is, it's not the material per se. It's a signal that can be buried in any material and it causes some sort of tumor or damage in the brain that definitely results in hallucinations and ultimately death. Um, and, but then, oh, then there's sort of two factions, the one that's trying to get it out there and the other one that's kind of a cult. And mm -hmm. he gets kind of reprogrammed back and forth. People are shoving these weird pulsing tapes into him and, they're, you know, each one is apparently rewriting his primary mission. And by that point, I'm just lost, you know. And as I said, when when I don't, care for the main character when i'm not invested in the main character's success and well-being uh, there's no incentive for me to try and figure it out right? right so i just sort of sat back and was like okay uh-huh mm. turned his hand into a grenade okay splat <laughs> i'm like oh, yeah, there you go um you know yeah 
And I was just sort of watching the pieces like, oh, that's I like how they made that bulging. The screen bulged out and some sort of a latex thing, but they were projecting an image on the inside of it. I'm like that. I haven't seen that before. That's really kind of interesting. Um, you know, and his hand sort of sort of turned into a gun that was part of his hand. And I is that the tumor? And, I, you know, it just there didn't seem to be a thesis to it other than body uh, dysmorphia. I don't want to say body dysmorphia because that's a thing, but you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Cronenberg. Cronenberg loves body horror, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And it just sort of seemed like, okay, he's hallucinating, which gives us a kind of a broad license for a variety of body horror effects. And I'm going to think of the ones I like the most, and we're going to figure out a way to kind of stitch them together into a, a plot line that is essentially the de-evolution of this guy's mind. So how much of it? I don't know. I don't really care. Mm -hmm. um, but somewhere in the middle probably would be my guess is that that the idea was that maybe there is this Videodrome thing, and we thought for a while that James Woods was somehow going to crack the case and defeat the bad guys, but instead he succumbed to it. And it's hard to drop a pin exactly at what point that happens in the movie where, you know, the tide turns and he loses any semblance of control. And what did you think? Well, I had I had always taken this as the, you know, Videodrome was this government developed uh, sort of weapon or whatever. And it had, you know, messed with his mind and he was hallucinating all these things. But James Woods in the commentary, so this I did not know prior to listen, listening to the commentary, and this may give you a little more insight into how things uh, kind of fell with this. They did not have a finished script. So Cronenberg uh, wrote and directed this, but he did not have a finished script when they started filming. And so he was writing the, it kind of sounded like they had three fourths of it or so, but he was writing the ending and James Woods was helping him um, sort of as they were going along. And he said that they, they shot the ending three different times. They kept calling him back to, to shoot a different ending. And he said, this was the, I don't know what the other endings were, but this is the one that they, uh, that I guess basically the two of them together kind of um, went with that they liked. But the way he described it is basically all the things, that, the physical things that happened to him, the, you know, stomach, vagina that the VHS tapes would go into and the, the uh, gun hand and all of that, that that was all real. Basically what Videodrome, it was not hallucinations, but that Videodrome opened up this separate reality to him. And at the end, when he is in the ship and he's watching himself on the TV and, you know, the, the TV image of himself shoots, you know, shoots himself in the head. And also for whatever reason, all these intestines come out of the screen and everything. And then he shoots him. So that was him killing himself in one world or one in the Videodrome world or the, or the, you know, alternate reality or whatever. And then he's shooting himself in the real world. So it actually, the way I understood it from what James Woods was explaining is Videodrome didn't cause him to, to have hallucinations. It caused, um, it enabled him to see this other world, you know, this other universe or whatever. So, well, I, I, that actually sounds pretty cool to me. 
Yeah, but I, yeah. Did, I didn't get any of that from the movie. So I, I've it, watched that, this a bunch of times, and I never, I never got that. You know? That that would have been neat if they yeah. could have told that story on screen. Uh, but you know, James Wood saying it in the, it doesn't surprise me at all that they didn't have a finished script. It felt that way. It yeah, felt it was, like they were making yeah. it up at a certain point. They were making it up as they were going along, mm -hmm. and you know, I guess it happens. Um, but. You know, I, I get. I don't want to get in on hating on this because there's a lot of this that feels really kind of. Um, I haven't seen it since, and I hadn't seen it before. And while I didn't particularly like it, I can admire that it's a. There is a sort of a novel voice in Cronenberg, and that you know, there's a lot of people that really, really dig his work. And I think this is indicative of his work. And in that sense, I'm glad that it's there and I'm glad I saw it. Um, but I guess if we come around to, would you recommend it to people? I would say I didn't enjoy it, but I, it was also interesting to have seen, and I'm glad I've seen it now. So if people talk about it, because it is worth talking about, you know, it has its place, certainly in our age, coming through the 80s, like he's a notable filmmaker and it's a notable film in that regard. For I would rather have watched, if we're going to watch the portrait of some going, someone going insane, I would rather have watched Vampire's Kiss with Nicolas Cage. <laughs> I mean, have you seen that? It's been a long, long time. Yeah, oh, that's one we, we should watch. If you want we to. should totally watch that'd be, that. That'd be a good October film, you know. Yeah, I really let. If we don't watch that next, let's watch that in October because it's right in sure. theme with Halloween. But there's a picture of a person going insane, where I feel like, well, I'm gonna spoil it even before we see it. But I, I think it's just a much better painted portrait of someone going through a sci-fi transformation. Uh, mm -hmm. or fantasy transformation where the movie does a good job of us not being sure with the protagonist what's real and what isn't. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a long time since I've seen it. There's something that I wanted to ask you and you, you, you touched on this um, without me even bringing it up, but so um, I feel the same way as you that with James Woods, that he has become this kind of right wing, you know, douchebag. I mean, maybe he was all, all the time, but he's very outspoken on Twitter, you know, and says a lot of egregious things. And I wondered how, so I really like this movie and I just kind of put that aside. I don't really think about the, uh, you know, his, his views or whatever. And I wondered, you know, that some people are very affected by the, the views of a, an actor and that, um, you know, can influence how they feel about movies. And I, I wondered how you feel about that topic just in general, if, if someone, so an example, like with James Woods, uh, it, it seems like it paint, it, it affected a little bit your, um, how you felt about the character. So, do you yeah. think, you know, the the what a, a an actor or celebrity is outside of their movies, does that affect how you feel about whether you want to watch their films or not? Does that make sense? I, I it totally makes sense. Uh 
I would have said, I think if you'd asked me that question five years ago, I'd have been like, well, I don't, I just, I separate it. I don't really pay attention to, you know, but now that things are so politicized and so polarized, and I just think, you know, and they have been, but I feel like pre-Trump, maybe a little further back. I mean, I wasn't politically active, but I feel like you could have had a conversation with somebody who was on the other side of the political spectrum with you, and they could have made their case for why they think things should be blue versus red or red versus blue on this or that issue. And you could agree to disagree and finish your dinner and change topics, and it wouldn't de facto turn into an argument. And I think things have gotten so bonkers now that one side of the political argument in my perspective, is just so flagrantly, obviously, fundamentally, not just wrong, but actively destructive to the social fabric and what I think of as America, mm -hmm. that when somebody is like, that's finally the best thing that's ever happened to this country is, is happening, it, that's insane. Like, California is on fire. You know, there are riots in the streets. Mm -hmm. It's like, how? How do you think this is improvement you know and 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 so i think with james woods in particular like i don't you know if somebody buys clothes in a certain place it doesn't i don't follow celebrity lifestyles if if um uh leonardo dicaprio dates 19 year olds i'm kind of like okay i mean that's really young and so there's a part of me that's sort of like Ew. But I don't know. That's hardly unique in Hollywood. And 19 is legal. Do you know what I mean? So it's sort of like, well, it's not how I roll, but Hollywood's a crazy place. Um, but when somebody's going out of their way to broadcast stuff that I just find so, I'm so diametrically, it's hard for me to ignore. Mm -hmm. And I think it does color. It does color. Um excuse me, what I see on screen. And it's funny because when you talk about something like Michael Jackson, there was, gosh, excuse me, I'm drinking beers and it's, I'm burping it. Um, whether or not this or that happened, I think he was probably, um, because of the abuse, he almost certainly suffered at the hands of his father and the his siblings did too. I think he was pretty messed up and I, think some pretty outside of the box stuff went on at his ranch. Um, and some people are like, that's it. I can't listen to Michael Jackson now. And I, I feel like I, I can enjoy the music. I don't have to stop listening to the music. And, you know, Bill Cosby, do I contemn what, do I contemn what Bill Cosby did to women? Absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. that is wrong. And he, he should be in prison for it. I'm glad he finally was held accountable. Yeah. You know, and the uncomfortable thing that I think is difficult to say right now. And, and when I listen to his albums as a younger person, like he's so funny. Oh yeah. It's, he's a comic genius. Yeah. So, I don't want to have to stop listening to what I think is genuinely like, I don't know that the behavior of the individual does corrupt um, 
the art that they make. And I think there's a, there's a divide, like you can listen to a beautiful song about positivity and growth and then find out that the person did some despicable thing and not have to give up the beautiful thing they made because they did. You can condemn the despicable thing and laud the beautiful thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And, it, and when it's acting and when it's his face and it's James Woods playing a character that I suspect is very close to, I don't know. I just, when I see his face, I mean, that's the thing with movie stars. Like you, I've seen a bunch of Tom Cruise movies and I like Tom Cruise on screen. I've never met Tom Cruise, but I have this sense that I would like Tom Cruise based on what I've seen of him on screen. I, maybe he's totally different off screen. I don't mm -hmm. know. But now that when politics, when, when celebrities, make their political stances known if i vehemently disagree with them and then i see them on screen it'd be a little bit like if you were spouting off a bunch of stuff i, I didn't like and then i saw you again that would stay with me you know it affects mm -hmm. my sense of them as a person unless they vanish so completely into the role like meryl streep and you're like wow i did this different person every single time but, but I, I feel like you see that less and less these days people are more stars than they are actors and I don't know. That was a long rambling answer. No, no, that, really that all makes sense. Yeah, I, I pretty much agree. The The way I kind of feel about it is if it's something that's already out in the world, like this movie is, you know, 40 years old or whatever. So you watch this movie, you're not actively supporting James Woods. You know, I, he's he probably, did, he probably didn't make any money off of you renting it on Amazon or whatever, you know. And I'm not going to go on if there's a jameswoods.com. I'm not going to go on jameswoods.com and buy an autographed picture from him or something, you know, but it's kind of like what you said with Michael Jackson, you know, I still thriller is still a great song or Billy Jean or whatever. And if that comes on the radio, I'm not going to be like, I'm not listening to this because Michael Jackson, you know, maybe did bad things or whatever. You know what I mean? Uh, Kind of on the flip side of it, I think, I, you know, I have friends, more conservative friends who are constantly upset about something that some celebrity has said or whatever. And one of the classic ones from several years ago that I thought was funny was when um, Bradley Cooper did the American Sniper movie, which I've never seen. I didn't have any interest in it, but um, but it was funny because there were you know, right wing people who liked that movie and then they were upset because they found out that he was a Democrat. He was at the Democratic National Con you know, Convention or whatever. And people are upset about that, you know, because they couldn't apparently separate him from the character. And one of the greatest responses to that that I saw was somebody on on I believe it was on Twitter and they said, you know, as upset as all these right wingers were that they found out that the American sniper guy wasn't actually a Democrat. Imagine how I felt when I learned that he wasn't a talking space raccoon, you know, you know? <laughs> so it's like, you know, at the end of the day, they're actors, you know, no, I agree. I agree. They're but actors I think and, and, uh, and I, and I, I, hey, I mean, I definitely... I, and I act, you know, so, you know, yeah. you know that I know that from both sides of it. I'm just, I think, I guess to clarify, I think, 
for an actor, your brand is your face and your voice, right? Yeah. That That is your face and your voice. And you absolutely have a right as someone with a platform to try and make a difference in the world politically based on your beliefs. Uh, you know, I mean, that's you, you, you have a platform to do that. And you think, you know, I need to, I feel passionate about this, uh, taking a knee or, or, you know, gun rights or whatever. Um, I'm just saying that I'm acknowledging that I'm not all intellect, that there's a part of the id that it colors it for me. Right. Sure. So if I, if I, and, and, and I'll go a little deeper than that with James Woods, because if I'm casting a movie, right. And everybody's got a, a different vibe and a different look. If I'm casting a movie and I want to cast an eighties smarmy a-hole, right. Mm -hmm. I might think James Woods is perfect for that part. You know, he's got a charismatic, he's not unattractive, but he's got a charismatic grin and there's just something kind of edgy and greasy about him. Yeah. To me, that's what I see when I see James Woods. Oh, I my totally favorite, agree. Yeah. My favorite. So sort of perfect for this role. Right. But I find when I meet that kind of person in real life, when a car dealership or whatever, I find it off putting. Mm -hmm. So just right off the bat, if you want to cast Patch Adams, you might not cast James Woods as Patch Adams. And as an actor, I'm not saying that James Woods couldn't play a very different type. I've seen him play a pretty decent range of stuff, actually. Well, um, but there's a reason why he's the kind of, you know, sketchy producer or Hollywood, you know, inside guy that wants a little something, you know, um, under the table. It's just, he, it, it fits his look. It fits his kind of the way he kind of was like, come on, come on, you know? Um, I think that my favorite roles I've seen him do are the ones that have a sort of a surprise in them where that, you know, that's what you, you see and that's what you think you get. And then you find out, oh, there's something more to him. Like he is as an actor capable of pathos and, 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 um, I think Cronenberg was probably when you talk about them writing it together, um, it's great for a director and an actor to have that kind of relationship, but I think it can also be detrimental if the director's not really clear in what they're doing, because then the actor and actor's instincts aren't always like a director's job is to be able to look at the whole project as though they're watching it on the screen, right? They need to see the whole picture and they need to see how a character is, you know, they can't be in the actor's shoes with the actor inside it. And the actor really shouldn't be imagining because the actor's imagination is always going to want to make themselves look good in some way. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's not always to the benefit of the movie. And I know there's a lot of actors that have directed, you know, and Mel Gibson did Braveheart and people have won. Uh, but generally speaking, the director who doesn't know what he wants to do and turns to the lead to be like, so should it be this way or that way? Let's figure this out together. It's, I think it's going to end up feeling muddy. And what you get is James Woods in the uh, commentary explaining what we're supposed to be seeing. Right but that we don't see on the screen, which is the director's job. Yeah, that's a failure of the, of the movie. Right. So, so that's a kind of a case study. All that's just to say is I, I, you know, if you let James Woods have the reins, James Woods is going to James Woods it. 
<laughs> is going to be more James Woods because that's who he is. And I find that I think that James Woods is he's terrific on screen and that he projects a very clear thing, but that thing is kind of greasy and unsavory, yeah. <laughs> you know? So if that's what the character calls for dynamite, you know, dynamite. But if he's the lead, I don't know. I can't think of too many leads that are greasy and unsavory um, that aren't also more heart of gold. Like there's something about them. There's a Tony, there's something about Tony Soprano, you know, that despite the fact that he's um, lazy and brutal and selfish and cruel, there's also some elements in him that make you pull for him, right? The, the Walter White has to be slightly more likable than he is despicable or you don't watch five seasons of it. Yeah. And I just didn't feel like James Woods in this film <laughs> to cross that line. So yeah. um, I like, you know, I like him in this role and I like him as an actor, but as far as the kind of separating the actor from their persona, because I know how, what his, his personal views now are to me are really shitty. So I'm not going to rush out to watch a new James Woods movie, basically, you know, to, to support him. That's kind of where I separate things. Whereas if it's something that someone that I just can't get behind their views at all, yeah. if it's an old movie, I'll watch it or whatever, but I'm, I'm not going to do something that I feel like is supporting them now. It's you interesting because I don't think of it. I, it's funny. I don't think of it as supporting. Like when I go see a Tom Cruise movie, it doesn't cross my mind that I'm supporting Tom Cruise the way that mm -hmm. I would donate, you know, five yeah. bucks to the Bernie Sanders campaign or something like that. He's a movie star um, and there's a movie and I'm a consumer who is interested in consuming a product and for me, going to the movies, I mean, you have, I, we've talked about Alamo Draft House. Like to me, it's an experience. I like to go to a big movie theater and I would go see movies by myself when we lived in New York. I'd go to the big one on 42nd Street, huge theater, huge sound system. And I'd play hooky from work or I'd have a day where I wasn't working. And I'd go just sit in a, you know, matinee show on a Wednesday because I had the free time. And I just dig the experience of going to the movies. And I, it doesn't really occur to me that I'm voting with my dollar in terms of the success or failure of this or that actor. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, if there was a really exciting movie that I was really wanted to see and James Woods was in it, um, I wouldn't not go see it just because James Woods was in it. I'm like, well, I really want to see it, but I'm not going to support James Woods. Yeah. But... You know, if we were sitting in a restaurant in California and James Woods was sitting next to me and, um, you know, I'm not going to punch him in the face. <laughs> I would punch him in the nose. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I, I'm trying to think of some situation if like we were at a dinner party and he was like, yeah, come on, you, you, you know what I'm saying? You get on board. Do you agree? Right. I'd be like, no, I think that's a despicable thing. I think your Twitter stuff is disgusting and I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. I don't want to be friends with James Woods. No. And the funny thing is we're watching this movie. I think what I come into a movie with it has a huge effect on my experience of it with it. I just watched these debates and I didn't 
I wasn't particularly excited about watching this movie anyway. I think even from the trailer, because there's just something in the tone of it. And I'm intuiting all of this. You listen to the, gosh, excuse me. I feel like Barney. I'm over here. Like Foster Brooks. Foster Brooks. Um, there's just something in the tone of it that's like, it's the 80s. We're all cool. I'm making movies. We beat up chicks. You know, I don't know. There's just something. And I hated at that age, the cool kids, you know, and their fast cars. And it just felt like, I know the lead actor. He's my pal. And he's a cool producer and a edgy television. I don't know. I, I just, right from the bat, I was like, it feels like style over content, and it's a style that I've got an kind of a really old dislike of, bias against from the 80s. And, you know, I brought all of that into watching the movie. Again, I, I didn't have to, like, choke it down. I sat down to watch it, but I let it go till the night before. Like, the Dead Zone I watched on the Sunday night. Like, I was eager mm -hmm. to see it. Oh, let's watch this. Sure. So I think that all of that colors my experience of watching a movie. And that's fine. I mean, it's an emotional experience. We talk about it intellectually. But, you know, in terms of artists and their content, like I was never a big, I, I never listened to a lot of, um, I keep wanting to say Yeezy, but what's his, uh, what's his actual name? Kanye? Uh, Kanye West. Mm -hmm. I, I don't, I'm, it's not in, I'm not into the genre so much, but I know that he is, um, you know, he's been called a genius many times and he's a mega star, but, and I know he's bipolar, but I think he's just, I, I, I don't understand. And mm -hmm. I don't want to condemn him because I understand that mental illness and bipolar, right. But he has a huge platform. And I just, it does make me not want to, I mean, I wasn't ready to go out and buy a Kanye West album anyway, but it makes me less want to do that because it colors it for me, you know? Yeah. It colors my, I can't sit with an open mind and take this stuff in. I, I don't know. That's what it is. It's more like there's a little, there are little filters that if, that come down between my eyes and my brain when I, when I, absorb material like this um well what do you think about you brought up uh the dead zone which we talked about last week what do you think about the fact that the dead zone and videodrome are the same director in the same year because those movies are very very different they're very 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 different um i don't have anything against david cronenberg i mean i think at a certain point you're trying to work too yeah. so if you get an opportunity to make a stephen king remake whether or not it's your pet project um i think you take it unless you have a compelling reason and the ability to turn it down um and you watch this which is a very uh, and again they they bring this up you know in the commentary that this was james woods was you know he he was saying that uh he was like you know i didn't know the inner workings of the marketing but he said you know, I know that this was a hard sell for the studio and this was a movie, excuse me. Now I'm the one that's burping, but, uh, 
it didn't do well on its initial release and it was a small you know canadian film and has has gained a cult following since then debbie harry said uh and i don't know when this their when their commentary was recorded but she said she goes around the world and people will come up to her and want her to sign videodrome things yeah well uh, i think you know she's um, the most memorable thing in it frankly yeah she's um, she's really really great to me that she was not, was she ever on screen and anything else yeah she did some other so they made a uh uh do you remember the tales from the dark side tv show did you ever watch that that syndicated show from the 80s they Vaguely. made a they made a movie of that and she uh is kind of the wraparound story in that yeah so she did a little bit more acting but um again it wasn't it, her acting but the camera loves her oh yeah i mean she's gorgeous in it with the dark hair you know that she or the reddish kind of hair that she didn't normally have yeah she she does a good job but um so you had this very non-commercial film and then followed by it very much felt like not like uh that Cronenberg was like oh I'm selling out but like this is my chance to go commercial you know and go Hollywood because you know that's the or dead zone is, that I can tow the line yeah yeah so I I think that's interesting that you have you know these two very very different movies in the same year I do too I think that Videodrome was much closer to Cronenberg's heart. And yeah, based creator. on the things, you know, because it was, you know, that a couple of years later, he did The Fly and, you one. know, later did things so like Existence stuff, you know. The, yeah. The Fly, right? That, now that, that was great. Mm -hmm. And it was gross, but it was, that was clear and tight and concise. I mean, that was just, that was great. Um, the, and, and it was horrifying. It was body horror. And it, it just, this one was kind of all over the place. And I think it was a lot of concept that whether it could have or not, didn't get realized on the screen. Um, the flies, I think is a fantastic remake better than the original. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. To be sure. fair, I haven't seen the original in a long time, but it, in terms of a contemporary uh, horror concept, um, just a couple of boozy guys. Just yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would be surprised with, with Videodrome if if this isn't remade at some point. You know, with an internet spin on it. Maybe it feels baked into the date somehow. Um, there have been other, there's been the signal and there's been all kinds of things that there's something sort of buried in the pixels, you know, that, or in the waveform that that's come up a lot. It's a trope. Um, I don't know that you could remake Videodrome. Like what's the, he doesn't do a TV channel. He's what? Um, he, you know, I, I think it would be some kind of an underground, like a dark web kind of a thing. You know, yeah. I, th I think that's how they would handle it. So, yeah, it wouldn't be exactly the same. But so what do you what do you think about recommendations? I mean, I, I, I've said it a couple of times now. I would say I did not enjoy watching the movie. But if you're into Cronenberg, if you if if the, my objections to it sound like, you know, little old lady stuff, uh, <laughs> pearl clutching stuff, then by all means, check it out. It definitely has a cult 
following. Um, I'm not certainly not trying. I'm not trying to dissuade people from watching it. I'm just trying to give an honest. Um, you had said to me it would be interesting if we picked something that we didn't just slam dunk agree on, and I thought, yeah, this is the first one. I think I thought that would be good. And yeah. then you said, what about Videodrome? And in the interest of that comment, I was like, okay. But I didn't. This was not one that I was excited to see. Like. Hey, uh, let's get excited about seeing a movie that you anticipate you're not going to like. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but but I am glad that I watched it. Um, and so I think, given all that, uh, would I recommend it? No, but you know, if you're into this genre and you think that you might not have the same reservations I have, yeah, check it out. Yeah, I'm a. I like this one a lot. I'm I'm a big fan of this movie, and I've I've watched it quite a few times, but. I would put the caveat in there of this isn't a movie for everybody. There are a lot of people who would watch this and just hate it. Um, but it's again, like you said, if you're into Cronenberg, if, and I haven't seen every Cronenberg movie, um, you know, some I've seen ones that I really liked and I've seen ones that I didn't like, but the, I think much of it depends on, how you feel about this time era it came out in 1983 so i i i would definitely say that younger viewers would maybe watch this and find the you know find it kind of corny and the practical effects the practical practical effects are cool but some of it doesn't look all that real so it's uh, if you know it's kind of a um an ambiguous film where, you know, it doesn't give you all the answers, which that some people are bothered by that. So, um, I mean, I recommend it cause I really enjoy it, but I, I would place the caveat in there that it's not for everybody. Okay. Okay. Um, what do you want to, do you, do you want to decide what we're going to watch next time? You had texted me something about this, um, Gretel and Hansel. Yeah, I don't know if you watched the trailer for it or not, but it is a 2000, either a 2019 or a 2020 release. Um, and it is, you know, it's check, it's technically horror, but it's more of a, I haven't watched it, so uh, I can't say exactly, but it's more so of it's, a... But it's a new one. It's new, yeah. Yep. It came out either 2019 or 2020. It's interesting. It says teaser trailer 2020, but the movie is definitely out. Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah, you can rent it. Let me just see. Because I do, I do want to see if we can commit. Okay, horror fantasy. All right. You know, it's have, you ever, in the... have you ever seen The Witch? Yeah, I have. What did you think of The Witch? I liked it. It was very... Um, it was super hyped. Have you seen it? Yeah. It was super hyped at the time. And I, I don't think I enjoyed it as much as some people did. I, I thought it was fine. I mean, it was well done. That director has another movie, uh, which is, uh, I think it's called the lighthouse. Um, Oh, I want to see that so bad. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen it either. That's one that we should do. Um, 
we should do that for October. We want to do ones yeah. that are in the sort of theme, but Gretel yeah. and Hansel would certainly fall into that. Yeah. So like I said, I'm, I'm going to watch Gretel and Hansel this weekend. So if that's, uh, you know, if that's something that you'd be interested in, we could do that, but we should do the lighthouse as well, because I really want to see that one. Um, All right. What, what should we do? What should we do for next time? So we can tell our, our listener. <laughs> yeah. So like I said, I'm, I'm going to watch Gretel and Hansel this weekend. So if you want to do that for the next one. I'm afraid I'll be scared of it. All right. Let's say. No, I don't, I don't think it's going to be. It's, it's, I think it's more of a, uh, I don't think you'll be scared by it. But I think it's more, you know, kind of a, uh, a fairy tale than, a, than horror. All right. So, so dear listeners, for next weekend, we are going to check out the new, relatively new film, Gretel and Hansel. Gretel und Hansel. <laughs> Uh, and so why don't you watch it with us and we can all um, have a little chat about it. And if you have thoughts or feelings, you can send it to Chris and Chris talk movies at gmail.com. That's Chris A N D Chris at gmail.com. And um, thanks for listening. We will talk to you next time.